And if my biceps are intimidating, just let me know. If you want to do like a code word. You get stressed. (laughs) Yeah. Sign language, anything. Hello and welcome to Here for the Health of It podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. We have a special guest for you today. We have Tori Leathers. She is the president and CEO of of Multidisciplinary Therapy Incorporated. Um, She holds a master's of arts in speech language pathology and is a board certified speech language pathologist. And welcome to Columbia's hottest and fastest growing podcast. (laughs) Thank you for having me. (laughs) So I think I spoke this into existence a little bit because I've been saying I need a speech pathologist on this podcast for, I probably started saying that in November and then I met Mm -hmm. you or maybe like a month later I saw on your name tag or realized it and then talked to you about that. So maybe walk us through what you do. What is it that exactly that your clinic focuses on and what you guys do? Sure. Um, So we focus on treating pediatric all the way up to geriatric patients. Um, We offer speech and also occupational therapy in our clinic. Um, So, I mean, speech covers anything from dysphagia um, to delayed language and occupational therapy. I mean, they cover a whole scope that I can't even get into. Um, And then we also contract therapists to school districts in the state of South Carolina. Um, So, yeah, we're really diverse. And your normal patient. So I, I picture like five-year-olds or four-year-olds who are having issues speaking as your mm-hmm. primary demographic. Yeah, it is primarily, yeah. And is it usually R's? Is that the hardest one for them to say? Or what's the hardest letter for a kid to say? De- oh, R's or any speech pathologist will say an R is the hardest R's, to treat. Yes. All right. Can you talk Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, it's all internal, oral. So um, if you say make your good, I don't know, TH sound, it's easy to say, just stick your tongue out. But an R, like the back of the tongue has to move up. You have to curl the tongue. And it's just really hard for patients, especially young, to understand how do I put my tongue up and back and curl my, you know? Um, so definitely R's are probably the toughest to treat. And when, when do people bring their kid in for it? Like, are for they, should they bring, yeah, R? should they bring him in at four years old or six years old or as soon as they notice it or give uh-huh. them a little bit of time to so, get better? So um, evidence-based practice says R is not normed until like seven to eight years old. Um, so definitely like we have patients that are referred at the age of three and they're like, oh, they have a funny R sound. They say wabbit instead of rabbit. Um, so we generally just try to educate parents that it's okay, it's totally normal. We don't expect for that to develop until like seven to eight years old. So if they have a 10 year old who can't say their R's, they should be coming to you. Yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. What about A's? Cause Randy still can't pronounce A's correctly. I, yeah, I say, <laughs> I say garage and pasta. <laughs> That, okay. means, that means garage <laughs> and pasta. Yes, um, that sounds more of like a dialectical difference, which I do not treat. You don't, no, you don't, that, you don't fix Canadian accents. No, sorry. That's, are you from Canada? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So what does a typical day look like for you then? Um, for me, I'm mostly just running my business. Um, I'm not actually treating as much anymore, but I'm actually in the office. Um, I still do some of the billing the administrative work, have an amazing office manager, but I'm more so on the back end, just handling the business side. And then for a therapist, is that what they're called? It would be a a therapist? Speech language pathologist. Okay. (laughs) Um, What does a day look like for them? Yeah. How how much time would they spend with a patient? What would an initial evaluation Mm -hmm. look like? All that stuff. Yeah. So um, usually they're working from 8 a.m. until like 6 p.m. Each clinic is different, their operating hours, but we're generally treating one-on-one with patients um, for like usually 30 minutes to an hour. Most of our patients are seen for an hour. Um, 
and then like five to 10 minutes to consult with the parents to go over like recommendations at home and homework. Um, so you're kind of just like, like at a doctor's office, like that doctor seeing patients just throughout the day. Of course they have like breaks and things like that. Um, but for an initial evaluation, we usually refer, our, we receive referrals from pediatrician offices or PCPs. Um, and then we contact the patient and then there's like an initial evaluation and usually some sort of standardized assessment is used to assess the patient. So your so your therapists are sitting in there being like, all right, say hey now brown cow, hey now brown cow. Yeah, you know is that the that, standard? Of care? I, I thought that yeah. was a gold standard for yeah, speech no. pathology. <laughs> no, not at all. I think that's what music teachers need yeah. to help enunciation. Um, no, there. I mean, in each patient, we have such a wide range of disorders that we treat. Um, like some are infants that are being. Um, assisted with like bottle and breastfeeding all the way to like that funny R sound, like you stated, um, patients with autism. So working on sign language or AAC devices. Um, so you're kind of just working on different tools and using different manipulatives throughout each session. Um, so the, my therapists, they stay on their toes. They're and, pretty busy. And probably tongue ties are a big thing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Definitely for our infants. Yes. And I usually do those assessments too. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, is that newer? I feel like that's just become a big thing in the last like I agree. five I years or really? something. Really? Um, is it maybe probably being diagnosed a lot more? I feel like because there's yeah. definitely been times where like a funny R kid that's coming in and we're doing an oral mech, so we're, you know, assessing all of the oral motor uh, features. And then it's like, oh, this patient has a tongue tie. Well, it probably was missed when they were born. Um, so maybe... And how, yeah. how would a parent know to bring them to you if they if their kid had a tongue tie? Um, so usually it's the pediatrician's office and it starts off with like difficulty latching during breastfeeding. That's kind of like the number one indicator that, oh, there could be something going on. Um, and so usually the pediatrician will then with like lactation consultants, if it's not able to help the situation, then they'll come to us and we'll do an actual evaluation. Can people skip the pediatrician, though, and go right to you or is it more... Definitely need the pediatrician. You have to have that. Mm -hmm. I gotcha. Um, so my son actually had a, he did have a tongue tie oh. that we didn't catch till mm -hmm. later. Mm -hmm. Or maybe we knew about it and we kind of thought it was not that big of a mm -hmm. deal. And then he developed an aversion to food. Mm -hmm. Like it was, a he had like, he started getting sensory and feeding issues mm -hmm. that then, um, he got to a point where like he was so anxious if you put food in front mm -hmm. of him that he got scared of it. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and long story short, it led to like him not eating. So mm -hmm. we were trying, we were starting to go down the pa the pathways of speech pathology um, uh, and trying to figure out like what the heck to do. Cause mm -hmm. to me, it was like, wait, babies just know how to go to the bathroom mm -hmm. and eat. Yes. Like you, how do you train a baby to do that? Mm -hmm. So once they do the release, like the the tongue tie mm -hmm. release, mm -hmm. then what what are the things that you guys do for like for that age group for really young like mm -hmm. that are, that can't communicate? Yeah, and it, like so under the age of two. Yeah, like yeah, yes. Mm -hmm. um, so it could be like a sensory thing as well. Um, so you might want to get like occupational therapy involved because they kind of handle more of the sensory side of it. Um, but definitely like working on oral motor techniques. So like lifting the tongue. Um, they might have like you actually exercise the tongue and the roof of the mouth. Like too. you would like take your fingers and massage mm -hmm. it? Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, that kinda, sounds dead. 
So you get bit constantly. <laughs> I Kids haven't probably been hate that, right? <laughs> I yes. know, but I mean, you're blowing bubbles. You're using lollipops. I mean, just anything. Um, great flavored tongue depressors. Um, anything to kind of like, you know, lessen the anxiety. Yeah. Um, but under the age of two, so like lots of like playing food. I call it food school when I'm seeing those yeah. patients. Um, so we're like, you know, taking a pea or broccoli and the broccoli is going swimming in a pool of ranch and, you know, going from like just being able to hit, tolerate it on their fingers to actually tolerating on their face. Yeah, like to a like ladder pour, structure. Mm -hmm, yes. Yeah. So eventually we want them to bite and then successfully swallow. Nice. Um, yeah. So you you were in pra like private practice for a while first I'm assuming and then you've mm -hmm. been expanding because 16 16 staff overall is a lot of a lot of people it's a yes, big operation it is uh -huh. so what was your jumps from just you doing it on your own to ha now having 16 staff so I just started with me um, I had a small little room on Marion Street in this large business building um, and then I just started receiving referrals for like occupational therapy physical therapy so I just hired those. I went to an even larger building um, just to accommodate like three therapists. And then you just keep receiving referrals. So we're having to move to a larger space. We're nice. outgrowing where we are now. Um, and I just haven't found that perfect space yet. Um, so yeah, but not all of our therapists um, are actually in the building. Like I said, some are actually working in school districts. Yeah. And so you're pretty close to downtown, you said. Maybe yes. You tell people about your office. Yeah, we're on Taylor Street. We are um, across from the Township Auditorium. It's a little white building. Um, there's parking attached to the building. <laughs> and we just have uh, like eight treatment rooms in the building. Okay. Mm -hmm. Nice. And, yeah. and so when you're talking to people about what you do, mm -hmm. you probably have some misconceptions that drive you crazy. Mm -hmm. Like therapist. Well, yes, I would have been so hard. Look when you <laughs> called her a therapist. I could tell. Yeah, it's it like, does. It's like telling a massage therapist they're a masseuse. They don't like yeah, that. Yeah. No, or like speech teacher. It's like, I yeah. work so hard for yeah. my credentials. Yeah. Um, what? So probably, yeah, like, oh, you're just a speech teacher or, um, oh, you only work on that funny R sound. It's like, I'm helping babies learn to feed successfully. I'm helping adults being able to change their diet so they can swallow successfully. Um, so I think just sometimes not acknowledging all that we do. Mm -hmm. And even sometimes I think a lot of people don't realize that we're working in skilled nursing facilities, acute care, um, hospitals. So we're not just in schools or in private practice. Yep. And you've been to the hospital to do stuff or you send staff there? No, I do not. I don't do. I did a clinical rotation actually at um, the uh, Prisma Health, yeah. yeah. Um, but that just was not a setting for me. Yeah. I enjoyed it, but that's just, yeah, yeah. not my setting. Um, talk to me about uh, technology. Mm -hmm. is, there, is there new tools and technology out there that's like speeding things up for you guys? Um, for sure. There's always like new apps, right? Mm -hmm. um, and definitely like the AAC so um, that's like a big thing right now. What's so, that? Um, What's so it's like usually to an iPad. So there's high tech, there's low tech. There's a simple like yes button that some patients to use to communicate. But a lot of the apps are now on devices like an iPad or a smart phone or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so there's like lots of different icons that patients can select to be able to communicate for them. Um, 
everyone is always coming up with the latest version app in regards to like treating patients with aphasia, um, working on things like that. Um, I'm trying to think of what other. Like any wild, like I remember there was like a vibration tool. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, like Z Vibes. Yeah. Really good for patients with like aversions to certain textures. Um, occupational therapists also use that a lot. Um, can you, can you explain desens- that? Yeah, desensitizing. Um, also, children with autism, sometimes they need like a chew toy yeah. to kind of help if they have any like self-stimulatory behaviors or things like that. Um, but it kind of just desensitizes the oral mouth. And what is it? It's uh, like a little metal piece that you that no, vibrates? it's kind of like a pen almost, yeah. but it's plastic and it vibrates and has different little textures on yep. it. Some are more pointy, some are shorter, flatter. Um, but those are used. And you, and you tell them, just open your mouth. I'm going to put this in your mouth yeah. and rub it around. And kind of like rub it it's around. Like brushing use your the mouth. Te- yeah. yeah, use the cheeks, on the tongue, things like that. Yeah. And do you have older, let's say like a 30-year-old who isn't, his speech isn't that clear. Mm-hmm. Would you work with people like that? Or is that sometimes just a dialect issue too? Uh, usually dialectical. And that's not really within our scope of practice to okay. treat. Um, but if there's like a root cause to it, if they had like a TIA or a stroke or um, then yes, absolutely. We'd see the patient. Yeah. Okay. Maybe speak to that then. So if someone had a stroke, they can't mm-hmm. speak very well and yeah. you'll, you'll see that where one side of their mouth doesn't work, but mm-hmm. the other side does work. Mm-hmm. What is a protocol look like there? Yeah. So definitely evaluating, um, checking the integrity of all of the functions of the mouth um, and also the vocal folds. You know, there's no paralysis or anything like that with vocal folds. Um, and then practicing like oral motor exercises, things like that. Um, vocal exercises, because um, it could be aphasia, it could be dysarthria, paralysis, things like that. And there's probably a length of time that's the standard of care, like maximum um, like maximum benefit, I guess. I, or maybe that's more like kind of in our world, there's a certain, you would, you would do a certain protocol with somebody mm-hmm. and then they would either meet like maximum clinical mm-hmm. benefit. And then you would either try something else, or if they haven't reached maximum clinical benefit, you would keep doing it. Mm-hmm. But I'm curious what the timeline looks like in your world. Like there's no, it's so hard, right? Like you have, um, a two year old child with autism and you, I mean, at a lower level, we're just trying to get the child to engage and actually play, right? Um, so that can take six months, and now we're going to build on using signs. So there's just it. It all depends on the patient, the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, ethically, I mean, if the patient has reached their maximum potential, then we definitely have to look at discharging. Yeah, there's no stand. I guess yeah, there's not really a standard there's because no everybody's standard. so different. Mm-hmm. But so let's say a tongue tie comes into you. Mm-hmm. They just had their tongue tie released, and mm-hmm. now they're working with you. Mm-hmm. They're wor- they're looking at probably three to six months before it's somewhat normal. Their muscles are developed. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and again, how much carryover is a patient and their parents with home? Yeah, there's a lot of homework. A really. lot of homework. A lot yeah. of homework mm-hmm. that was tough because it w- the hard part was like you've it almost seems, it feels like torture a little bit mm-hmm. when we're, when it's like a baby and you're some, one of us was open in the mouth and yeah. the other's trying to like grab the tongue. And yeah. there was just some weird stuff. There. Mm-hmm. I just hate the idea of getting bit. And because I, I know there was some, <laughs> there's some chiropractic techniques where you would be like around the mouth or yes. near the mouth or you're working with the jaw. Uh-huh. But I just remember, 
Um, one of my mentors, he was probably 70, but whenever a, a child with autism would come in, he would always ask the parents, is he going to bite me? Uh-huh. Does he bite a lot? And right. then I just even had a lady yesterday who said um, she she had a child with autism that she was just help like working with or mm-hmm. helping um, and just got mad about something and pushed her down. So I'm I'm wondering what that looks like for you guys. I have office. never been bitten. Um Especially not like a two-year-old if I'm doing oral motor exercises or anything yeah. like that. But yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I've been scratched. I, it happens. Um, we don't want it to happen, but definitely no. like, yeah. And that's probably like a sensory seeking thing too. Or, you know, they're just really upset. They don't have the words to communicate. So definitely. that is his mean of yes, communication. Definitely. So um speech impediments mm-hmm. what's what's the mechanism of that and that because that seems to last or at least friends that i can think of that had them that have somewhat disappeared i don't know if they still deal with them but that was like through middle school and high school mm-hmm. what's is there anything that you've seen that that creates that and how do they overcome that so in regards to like language like or? you know the, like if they yeah like if they they're trying to state a sentence and they they continue just to to, to to that kind of thing, like like stuttering, stuttering, and oh, okay. yes, yeah. Um, we all stutter, right? Um, it becomes an impact if you aren't able to effectively communicate for yourself. Um, some people just never grow out of it. Um, it's kind of more of like society. We need to learn to accept that some people will just have a stutter or like a language impairment. Um, so yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, so like, but there isn't anything damage necessarily or anything no. neurological or no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen the movie, the princess bride? No. Okay. There's, a, there's <laughs> kind of a famous line in it where okay. the guy's talking about marriage. Okay. And <laughs> marriage. Have you, have you seen oh, Princess marriage. Bride? Oh, marriage. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's trying to say marriage, but he keeps saying marriage. Mm-hmm. And I, I just go back to this R thing because it feels like it's such a common thing. Could you take him, who's 40 years old, and, oh and he's doing the wedding thing, <laughs> and teach him how to use his R's properly and actually say marriage? Technically, yes. <laughs> but it would take years. Um, It's one of those hard ones, but they're adult they're probably going to be much more susceptible to the cues and the prompts yeah. that we're providing. Um, they're going to do their homework, but yep. yes, I mean it can be corrected for sure. Yeah, okay. that's funny. At forty, should be, should people be training their tongue? Should be people be training their tongue? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> like and their lips. I guess you'd throw lips, lips and tongue, tongue in like there. all the. You just don't think of any oral muscles. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking from the standpoint like. I go back to like when we were in school and somebody could like curl their tongue or mm-hmm. like do the, I don't even, like a like W. With, yes. Mm-hmm. Is there stuff that we should be working on that would enhance speech or? Or even, t- you know, when you get the end of a cherry and if you tied it oh, in tie, a knot yep. with your tongue and uh-huh. you were a good kisser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Supposedly. <laughs> um, I mean, as long as it's not impacting your ability to produce speech, I wouldn't say no, like, you know. On a random day, as an adult, do you need to practice? You like know, get in the motor. gym and get your tongue working. Yeah, yeah. no, because we're constantly doing it. You're eating, you're right. talking, you're breathing. So you're constantly exercising. Because like whistling, like that's a big thing for people that want to try to whistle. And mm-hmm. I feel like there's no training on that, I don't think. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> you can or you can't. <laughs> you've never had someone come in and say, say I just want to no. learn how to whistle. <laughs> Put me through a program to whistle. I know. 
Um, no. How about like, all right, so different dialects. I know with news anchors and I guess actors, people that have to create like the generic dialect, mm -hmm. I think it is. Is that something that you guys work with or have anybody in your office if somebody wanted to make it like national news, mm -hmm. those people have to speak in a certain way? Mm -hmm. Is that something you've... No, no, so we don't treat dialectical differences at all. Um, but there are some speech pathologists that are trained to address the dialectical difference. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. What are all the subsets for speech pathology? Or like, is there a lot of different things? Like that That one would be like more dialect focused. Mm -hmm. So some are um, certified in dysphagia. Um, some are certified in, I'm trying to think, like autism, um, but we are all educated and are all board certified in all param parameters of speech language pathology. But definitely, some have earned their uh, certificates in a, you know, in dysphagia or autism, things like that. And, Early language. Mm -hmm. Well, and so when you get a person out of school, because it sounds like you're doing a lot of that with new grads right out of school coming mm -hmm. to you. Mm -hmm. What are the things that are being missed in school that maybe need to be taught more? Um, I think probably just like application of all of the research that we've learned and just applying it to therapy is something probably all new grads, which that's why they have a like a nine month to a year of clinical fellowship mm -hmm. in which they're actually practicing and learning under a trained speech pathologist. So like definitely taking all of that research and knowing how to apply it to your treatment. Can you, can you give an example of that? Um, I'm trying to think. Um, so like, you know, we know at a certain age, um, the R sound needs to be mastered. Um, but, you know, is the patient able, oral motor, are they able to actually move their tongue? So kind of like connect, connecting those dots of like, yeah, they should have a good R sound, but do they have that good oral motor in order to um, put their tongue up to make that good R sound? Mm -hmm. So like connecting those dots, I think. Okay. Yeah. Any crazy patient uh, stories or testimonials, uh, like success ones, like that maybe a listener oh, would be thinking, oh, I didn't know that that could be helped by doing speech pathology? Uh-huh. Um, I'm trying to think. What is it? We have so many patients and so many have made like such great, great gains. Um, that probably, I'm trying to think. Like anybody probably with a like the uh, children with autism yeah. that are nonverbal and trying to educate parents to like seek out resources to obtain um, communication devices because uh, sometimes speech pathologists were like oh we're just going to teach them sign but like now we know you have access to devices that will right. help facilitate communication which can be used in anywhere in the child's life as opposed to not everyone knows the sign for more and help or all done, but this communication device is able to communicate all of their wants and needs. So that's what I think. Nice. Yeah. And is there like anybody with a crazy deficit that you guys worked with and were able to completely reverse that or anything that you can think about the top of your head? Um, our food aversion yeah. patients. I personally have a few. Um, that literally were licking jelly from toast, um, a veggie pouch. It was like fruit flavored yep. um, and crackers. And now 
we're seeing the patient is eating all of their meats, most of their nice. vegetables. I mean, that is like it's huge. Massive. Yeah. Yeah, that was the pathway my son had to go down. To, uh-huh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was crazy to see him because I never, I didn't get to see him really eat a bite of food until he was like four. Really? It was wild. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and it was that ladder structure where it was mm-hmm. like, look at it. Actually, it was like read about it first because like, like that made him nauseous even like mm-hmm. hearing sounds mm-hmm. about food. Mm-hmm. Are there any other sensory things like that? I guess smell is a big one. Smells, I mean- all like sight. I've had patients that you know don't want to even look at they it. They see it and it's like projectile vomiting yes. just from the sight of it. Yeah, smelling. I mean, there's just so, of course, the touch, um, the taste, of course. Yeah. And what about teeth issues? Like I, so coming from Canada, I've had some teeth knocked out. Pretty much everyone I know okay. has had some teeth knocked <laughs> out. But I picture your speech changing if you're having a whole bunch of dental. Definitely, yes. Mm-hmm. Does that happen? I, I would imagine here it's probably people getting kicked in the mouth by a horse or. Um, have you a child? They're missing. They're losing their baby teeth, and that's front. Yeah. Teeth. Yep. Yeah. So like making a good S sound, it sounds like fifth yep. all the yep. time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but hopefully those teeth will be back. Yeah. Ideally. <laughs> but definitely, I mean, that's how. And of course, like chewing and things like that. Yep. But, yeah. Okay. Now, what about masks? Because we just went through a whole whirlwind with covid mm-hmm. um and masks mm-hmm. how much do you think that now that people are during that time period just people trying to communicate mm-hmm. to kids mm-hmm. did it create a lot of issues because you could they couldn't see yeah the teacher's mouth or mm-hmm. um so definitely covid even outside of just masks i mean and then talking with like pediatricians there are so many children now between the age of two and three with delayed communication. Yeah. And a lot of it is just to that lack of exposure um, and just being at home with like one or two parents. Parents are both at home. Yeah. They're putting the child in front of the TV while mom and dad have to work from home. Um, you know, so that has, I mean, we've it's had crazy. a crazy amount of patients being referred within that age group. So COVID is definitely, and then like with masks, of course, like our ours, I mean, we've gotten really creative. We've like gone to virtual and teletherapy. So they're actually able to see the mouth. We've done like the Amazon mask um, with like the clear clear one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it's unfortunate, but I had to keep my therapist safe and our patients safe. So. Okay. So maybe talk about the business side a little bit, because we're interested in that too. Okay. What are your business challenges that you have and what are some things you've learned? Yeah. Um, So in private practice, um, cancellations is like the number Mm. one, right? Um, My therapist, they're in the building. Um, They're ready to work. They're expecting to be paid. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it's hard to pay when you have, you know, like COVID and you have 10 cancellations within a week. Mm -hmm. But that therapist was in the building for 40 hours a week. Um, So, you know, like making payroll, is a challenge right um so that's probably the biggest issue what about the younger generation versus say the older generation 40 a 40 year old therapist is probably gonna have a different approach than a 24 year old or sorry i said therapist uh speech pathology (laughs) what do i say again (laughs) (laughs) slp Uh, slp Uh, uh, old a 40 year old slp is gonna have (laughs) a different approach than a 24 year old, I would assume could be, and we see that in the chiropractic world a little Mm -hmm. bit too. Mm -hmm. 
what are you what are you seeing as the biggest differences and what and I'm curious what the pros are to the 24 year olds coming out who have these new mm-hmm. technology, new approaches, new mm-hmm. ways of doing things. Um, definitely new grads or newer SLPs are much more willing to like diversify their tools that they're using um, as opposed to. Maybe if I don't and I really don't know. Um, but I mean, they've used probably that same good technique to elicit that good R sound for, you know, many more years mm-hmm. compared to like the new grad is like, well, I'm going to try this um, dental floss to try to elicit the good R sound or a lollipop. So but I don't want to be an ageist at all. So. Well, uh, and there's this idea of the. Is it the great resignation? Is that what they were calling it? Mm-hmm. Where there was a whole bunch of people who were just changing careers, mm-hmm. changing everything. Have you seen mm-hmm. much of that? Um, no, and I, I mean, I wouldn't know just, you know, being in South Carolina. But yeah. I like speech pathologists, you usually have a strong passion because we work so hard to get our C's. Um, that, of course, I mean, people are leaving the profession, but generally you become a, a SLP. You're going to be an SLP. <laughs> yeah. And I guess talk to that. If somebody wants to be a, a SLP, what does the schooling look like? Mm-hmm. What does the continuing education look like? Talk talk about that a little. Sure. Um, so um, I earned my bachelor's in speech pathology as well. But you have to earn your master's in speech language pathology oh. or communicative sciences and disorders. Um, it's usually like a two, two and a half year program. You graduate, you have to complete a clinical fellowship, which is usually nine months to a year. Um, and you're practicing in any setting, but you will have a supervisor who will sign off on your documentation um, and will supervise, and, you know, provide recommendations and things like that. You also have to sit for your boards, um, which is through ASHA, our governing body. Um, and then you are able to apply for your state licensure. Anywhere you practice, you have to have your state licensure and also your C's. Um, and then we have to complete CEU courses. It all depends per state. It varies how many, how many hours, but ASHA, it's about, I think, like 10 hours each year that you have to complete. So there's seminars and things that you guys attend or? Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. Lots. We have our governing body. They have a um, their conference is in November every year. Our state governing body also has a conference every year. Um, some people do like CEU courses online. I do a lot of mine online. So nice. Yeah. Is it hard to get into school? Extremely, extremely difficult to get into school. So you had four point all the way through. Basically. No, I did not. <laughs> I had a pretty good GPA, yes. Um, but I was very unique in that after I graduated with my bachelor's, I actually practiced in Las Vegas, their school district, what? Clark County. What? I know. In Clark County School District for three years. Um, you're allowed to practice with your bachelor's in the school district there. So I practiced there for three years. And I think that just made me a better candidate, maybe, for acceptance into grad school. So How, how many schools are there? Uh, like, oh, my gosh, I don't know. There are not, not enough. Not a ton, though. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, we are a very, very highly desired profession right now. There yeah. are just not enough speech pathologists. That's the feeling I get if you have yeah. to go through a pediatrician yeah. to even get there. Mm-hmm. And you don't see any speech pathologist advertising right. anywhere, yeah. ever. Mm-mm. But it's because yeah. they're always so busy. They, so, so busy. They wouldn't even yeah. want to do that. Schools, they're understaffed with speech pathologists. They're always looking. That's why they hire companies like mine, contract, contract companies, 
to help fill those empty slots. They're just, there are not. Hospitals are always looking. Yeah. Private practices, we're hiring right now too. <laughs> nice. What uh, what type of questions do you ask on an interview? Oh, um, I like to ask, um, as I'm conducting interviews, how comfortable does an individual feel treating patients from a low socioeconomic nice. background? Because yeah. a lot of our patients are of that. Right. And I can never hire somebody who does not feel comfortable knowing how difficult it is and the f sometimes frustration of like, why isn't the patient making progress? Well, that patient's going home to a very unfortunate circumstance. Yeah. Um, so having, you know, that ability to compassion, treat, empathy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's much better than our interviews. We ask, um, do you think I can bench press more than 200 pounds? That's okay. one of our questions. <laughs> <laughs> so Did maybe, he ask you that? <laughs> no, no, so we, we interviewed, you know, yeah. we, we interviewed people together. Oh, okay. Yeah. But we, ha and we ask like, sometimes what's your favorite muscle if they're a massage therapist? Mm. But we like, I mean, for us, it's more just figuring out, is this person socially calibrated to know mm -hmm. it's kind of a, it's kind of like a, a joke <laughs> yeah. or mm -hmm. that the, the right answer would be like, yes, of course you right. can. Because yeah. we've had a lot of people who just looked them up so, and down and they would say, absolutely not. Really? <laughs> one time I had a girl for one minute to like uh -huh. try to figure out if I could do it. And she, her background was like personal training. And then yeah. she said no. At the end of it, which was like, That's how. Yeah. Well, yeah. For and even if someone comes in and they're a personal trainer, then we ask them questions like mm -hmm. that so that we can figure out: Do they understand how much two hundred pounds is on a bench press? Or mm. we'll say, How fast do you think I can run a mile? Mm -hmm. Knowing, you know, seven to nine minutes somewhere in there should be the normal answer. Yeah. If they say four minutes or they say sixteen minutes, then mm -hmm. you know they haven't actually ran a mile themselves or they don't know what a normal mile yeah. is. Oh, so there's a lot of thinking actually. It, ours are deep. Very deep. Well, they, people just don't realize it. They're just not ready yeah. for them. We like to ask questions that they're not ready for. You guys have see. done a very good job too. Thank you. Thanks. Um, do you do in-home visits? Like Right now we do not no? know. Okay. Previously we did, but no, we only offers, offer Come our services usually in our clinic. And then do you work with singers or like people with vocal cord? type issues not singers no okay. some are trained in voice and some actually speech pathologists mm. have their certification in voicing disorders um but yes i mean if a patient has had a stroke and now has a paralyzed vocal mm. fold we will treat that okay what, what percentage of stroke is stroke patients or tia patients that you guys see we have very few because usually they are discharged from the hospital to a skilled nursing facility where they're receiving that treatment there. I got it. And then can you just speak to what you, what are all the different disciplines at your practice? Like what is it? You have occupational therapists and speech pathologists right and now. any uh, physical therapists? Or Not right okay. now. No. So just those two right mm -hmm. now. Okay. Nice. All right. And, and what kind of education do you want the public to know? Like a lot of people listening to this probably have never talked to a speech pathologist yeah, before. Yeah, definitely. Um, probably if your child is about two, uh -huh. <laughs> two and a half, still has not said their first word, you should definitely mention that to their pediatrician so the pediatrician can make a referral for a speech language pathologist. Um, intervention, early intervention is the key, especially for children with autism. We yeah. know that the earlier that they are being seen, the better outcome. Um, so that would probably be it. And then what do you like to do in Columbia? What's your favorite things? Oh gosh. Um, 
Well, so maybe you, let's start with this. Okay. What, why did you Why did you leave Vegas and come here, or leave Clark County? Um, to earn my master's degree. You in did, South okay, Carolina and State. then decided to stay here. Mm -hmm, I yeah. did. So, what kept you here, and what do you like? Um, what kept me here? Uh, I started my. Well, I met an amazing man. I'm engaged now, so that's probably nice. it. <laughs> oh, you want to give him a shout out? <laughs> Hi, Kenneth. Um, <laughs> Kenneth. Kenneth. Um, so he hates being called Ken. No, he hates oh, he being likes. called Kenneth. Oh, he does? Okay. Kenneth's his name. I call him Kenneth. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, so probably him. Okay. <laughs> that that was the reason why. But I do. I love Columbia. I do. I like it. It's a great city. Um, I'm originally from California, so it's a bit slower, but I've enjoyed and I enjoy the diversity where I'm from. Um, it was not very diverse at all. So and I like seeing my own people here. And you see yeah. lots of African-Americans here. It's very mm -hmm. diverse. So I do like it. Um, Columbia is a great city. Cool. Yeah. Do you go to any restaurants that are specific? Hmm. Any restaurants that are specific? Like it's a Friday night. Ken comes Ken, in. And yeah. He says, Kenneth's like, I'm taking you to out. your favorite spot. <laughs> You're gonna be so you excited. You get to choose. Um, I like Shay's Lounge. That's a good one. Shay's Lounge. Jazz Where's that? Club, West oh, Columbia. Mm. Oh. Ooh. ooh very Let me write nice. that down. Yeah. Um, Colas is good. Love colas. colas. I'm trying to think. You into breweries? No, I'm not a big beer drinker. Just straight wine. Tequila. Tequila, like Mexican so I have restaurants. Too many calories. Yeah. Uh huh. Like you've been to Coa? Yes. Yeah, yes. Coa's great. Coa's Cantina. Mm -hmm. Um. How do people find you? What What's the best best methodology? I guess Instagram website sure. information. Um, website multidisciplinarytherapy.com. We have not branched into social media. I know we need to. I'm not a big social media person. Yeah. Um, but that is something we need to get done. Um, you can Google us. Our phone number, fax number is all listed there. Perfect. And just encourage everybody with kids to get the pediatrician or get the pediatrician to get a referral to mm -hmm. you. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. Cool. Nice. All right. Well, we appreciate you being on here. Uh, butter golf. Me a hat? His name's <laughs> fell. His name's fella actually. Oh, it isn't. Yeah. The guy, fella? everybody calls him fella. Oh, nice. Uh, but he's got this new golf brand that everybody's talking about. So we're trying to hype it on here. Butter golf. Go check him out. Boom. Till next time. Here. We're here for the health of it. For the health of it.